Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Positivity Strategist. This is a very fun episode for me. It's a continuation of the previous show, episode 39, when Kathy Becker of the Center for Appreciative Inquiry was my guest. Using the generic Appreciative Inquiry interview, I interviewed Kathy in that show about a high point experience as an, an appreciative inquiry practitioner. And in this show, we reverse roles and Kathy interviews me. Now, if you did miss the previous show, I encourage you to take a listen. And if you're new to appreciative inquiry, in a nutshell, it's an organization change methodology that's been used globally for almost 30 years. Appreciative Inquiry has been called a positive revolution in change. It seeks to inspire, to mobilize and sustain employee engagement and collaborations. And it works just as well in educational environments, in healthcare, government agencies, communities and in all relationships. Now what's extremely exciting is that I'm offering a special bonus to the listeners of this show. It's a fantastic bonus offer. I'm offering a white paper that explains in great detail the project that I talk about in this episode. Now, the paper is a case study and it's co-authored by me and two members of the client organization that I talk about. So if you go to positivitystrategist.com slash PS40, that's where you'll find it. Now, the case study lays out in great detail the entire Appreciative Increase Summit process from the carefully designed preparation leading up to the summit, the actual design of the summit, the teamwork that makes it so powerful, the project milestones, and you'll read some of the participant feedback about their experiences, and you'll find out about some of the inputs or the outputs that they created together. Now, people who've read this case study have complimented us about how clearly we've described the entire process and it filled in a number of gaps they had in their understanding of the Appreciative Increase Summit. So you can download it again at positivitystrategist.com slash PS40. Before Kathy and I jump into the interview, we have our Positivity Lens Reframe segment. The Positivity Lens activity, which you can find on the show notes page of every episode, was an invitation to think about your own high point experience in whatever situation you wanted. It was about focusing on when you were at your best, investing a little time to revisit the scene and describe what was happening and why it was such a peak experience for you, and also to reflect on what you valued about yourself in that situation. That's really important. How did you contribute to make it such a positive experience? And next, what three wishes 
you had going forward about how you could use your best attributes and build on the things that made it such a high point experience for you. And now to this week's show. Kathy Becker opens her interview with reference to the previous show where she and I shared a little bit about our respective backgrounds. So wonderful. Thank you so much um, for, the, for that. I really appreciate um, the depth of your interviewing skills. And uh, that's a really, um, your, your mind is very curious. And that uh, was fun for me to listen to and pay attention to. Um, so what I, um, Robin, when I listened to you introduce yourself, I was really awed by the, um, your depth of experience and, uh, what brought you to appreciative inquiry. I think, um, it's pretty awesome. So I'd like to begin by asking you using the generic interview process again, what has been a high point experience for you as an AI practitioner when you felt most alive, successful and effective? Please share us, share your story. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. Um, yeah, I mean, I really appreciate when people say, oh, I've got more than one high point story <laughs> because it feels that way. You know, when you work in this way, um, every encounter um, is almost like a high point because you can touch people. Um, but I, I've decided to share one with you that is a large scale one, just as your story was too, Kathy. And that was when I was invited in, another similar thing, I was invited in um, to be, to work with a big cor global corporation um, on an appreciative increase summit. And the background is that this big organization, um, I was invited by the chief diversity and inclusion officer. And she had been running these annual conferences two or three uh, over the, the years that she'd been in this role, reporting directly to the CEO. And it's a 75,000 um, person organization globally. Um, and so her job was to elevate the diversity and inclusion initiative right up there and, and make sure it was really part of the strategic agenda. So for a number of years, she'd been having these conventional conf conferences where she would bring in guest speakers and she'd bring in people who would be on the panel. And these people from global organizations would share great stories about how they were implementing the diversity and inclusion agenda in their corporations and the success factors and what they were doing. So for a couple of years, the participants, they'd be like three to 400 people would come to these two-day conferences, you know, the usual big swish hotel kind of thing. And they would come and they were saying to Andrea, my client, you know, these are great, this is great information for us. And it's great to hear these inspiring stories, but they're not our stories. How do we do it? We walk away from here feeling like we want to do it, but how do we do it ourselves? And so Andrea, you know, took that feedback on board and she had been exposed to AI um, herself in years um, past. And she also had an OD practitioner working with her who was training in AI at the time. And so that's why she knew about appreciative inquiry and she went out there seeking some AI consultant or practitioner who could come in and design a summit with her 
and you know put and enable the people in the room to be able to then go out there and apply appreciative inquiry and and find the things that they wanted to change in their own organization to elevate the strategic agenda around diversity and and inclusion and so i was the lucky one you know through a process was um selected to work with her and unlike your story, Kathy, I had the luxury now that I think about it to work with this organization for six months in advance. So, you know, she, it was very well planned out in the sense that we, we had a core team of 24 people that came from different departments across the organization. And similar to you, we did the two-day appreciative inquiry training. Um, these people were mainly from um, HR or they were business leaders, but they were real advocates of diversity and inclusion. They wanted to really elevate that into the strategic agenda. So they were very committed to the mission of this, but were uh, you know, not so sure about the process that Andrea had selected to, to, um, to do, which was the AI thing. So um, similar to you, we had the two-day training and at the end of the two-day training, we had come up with you know, five core teams that these people would go out there and find their own resources within the organisation to build the body of work. And the five core teams were one team was to focus on the interview protocol and create the workbook um, for gathering data, you know, doing the data collection on site about what would be the topic for our summit. Because we, we knew that we wanted to focus on DNI, diversity and inclusion, but we didn't have a specific topic that the participants would come in and inquire into. So that first round of interviews, the first interview protocol was to go out there and do the data collection within the, the workforce and find out what did they have most energy and where were the success stories already of where DNI was already working at its best and we could do more of that. So we had that that committee, we had another communications committee, people who would go out there and start working on the branding and you know the messaging of this throughout the organization. We had another group that was working on the venue, so how we would make the hotel board a ballroom looked very different from conventional kinds of conferences that people come into and what would be the you know how we would set the room and the tone and all of that kind of stuff um, we had a project planning team people who would look at you know how the keeping the project on base and then we had another team which is around story curation you know how we would curate the stories both in the first discovery interview process and then post the summit you know how we would curate all these stories and what sense people would make of it so um, I oversaw all of those after they'd done the AI training I oversaw all those five different teams who you know were tasked with different activities and that was just an amazing and it worked really well to be able to do that so people were very clear about you know what they had to do and how they would bring it together um, so that was kind of the story um, and who was involved. The, the, the most amazing thing, as you've described, is that core team, that 24 people who have then broken down into five smaller teams, but then they brought people on who would work with them, right? They just, after the first two days, could see the benefit of this and were so excited and so energised and just couldn't wait to roll their sleeves up and get out there and start doing it. 
And as you explained, Kathy, it was that discovery interview that really is the first shift that they experience when they truly have an opportunity to tell their own story of when they felt that they were most included and and their diversity countered and they could they could see these collective stories and all realize that they had a shared dream about how to make that even stronger in the organization that was the that was the magic that they knew that they were all on the same page and they wanted to go out there and do it so you know that was just pretty remarkable that people are off and ready ready to go out there and start modeling it themselves after 2 days that's wonderful. It's exciting to, to hear that uh, they actually went out and uh, reaching out into the organization, getting deeper into it. How did that come about with the five, uh, five sub-teams? Did, was that something you planned in advance or did that happen in the Well, in the no, I, I, I planned it in advance because in winning this job, if I may put it in those terms, my client required a very detailed proposal. And she really, truly wanted to understand. She was, you know, this was high risk. I mean, this was a very mm-hmm. conventional, traditional engineering culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the people, it was actually a big, big defense organization. And so most of the people were engineers. Um, many of them came out of the military. Um, there was diversity in all kinds of areas and all kinds of products that, and services that they offered the world. So... And so, you know, my client was very concerned that this was a big risk that she was taking. She was very invested in this, but she wanted to make sure that all the T's were crossed and all the I's were dotted and that she had, you know, real as much comfort and security as possible that this was really going to work. She had to kind of promote this internally to her CEO that this was going to be uh-huh. a good investment. So I thought very carefully and very clearly about how this would work before, um, you know, before we embarked on it. So she bought into it right from the proposal stage. And so explaining how we would roll this out. And, you know, my whole thing, as you've indicated too, Kathy, is that you know, when you when you train the core team or this this team who's going to be the ambassadors or the role models going out there and being the data collectors, that they that they're um, they're fully invested in it. They see the benefits of it, and they um, and and they just want to do it. So it was it was that was the, the most important part that there was a commitment to it from the very beginning. That sounds so amazing to me to have them go out. How long did they, um, from the time of their training, uh, were they um, collecting data and and doing this work? Because they're talking about the inquiry and they're working on it. And so it seems to me they they were probably changing the the conversations um, already just even before the the summit. That's exactly right. Yeah, so um, I'm I'm having to think back now. Um, But the timing was about, we you know, we had milestones, you know, we did the full project plan. That's Mm -hmm. why we had the project planning team. But from the people, so so the the core team that was looking, who was identifying the first AI interview, the discovery interviews that they'd go out there and gather the data, where D&I was working well already, that took a couple of weeks to, for them to come up with mm-hmm. the interview protocol. 
and that was vetted by. So we had actually three groups. We had we had the um, the design team, which was consists of six people. And then we had the core planning team, which was the 24 people. So, And we met very regularly over this six-month period. So the, the people who designed the interview protocol had a couple of weeks to come up with it. And then they submitted that to the whole, oh, the, the, all the committee and they agreed that this was the right way to go. And then everyone, one, everyone of the 24 went out there and did the interviews and we gave them about two weeks. So I'd say it was like a month to six weeks um, that that we took to be wow. able to then gather the stories from the organisation which were then curated by the story curation team and they made sense of it and out of that we came out with the five or six core themes of when D&I was already working mm-hmm. at the best and what we needed to elevate more and that then became the topic that then we um, then des- developed another interview protocol that would then be used in the actual summit itself. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And so then you had the summit, and did, did they come up with um, some outcomes or plans and uh, that they could measure in terms of their outcomes? Um, yes, they came up with some fantastic outcomes. And the, the, the actual topic of the summit, that the, the we went into this summit and we had 350 people in the room, and they, what they were inquiring into, and we created beautiful protocol um, books that the the committee had, the communications committee had designed. You know, the branding was very beautiful, and the topic was freedom to step outside our comfort zones. Wow! So, because what they discovered in those first initial interviews was that when people felt free to be who they really are and embrace their diversity, they felt most most included. Wow. And so that's when, you know, it was like one of those aha moments. I mm. remember it very precisely. We were on a we were on a conference call and we the, we were sharing what some of the themes were and it just came out, wow, what we need to inquire is because what we're identifying when people are free to be who they are and feel truly valued, that's when they do their best work. Wow. That is wonderful. And it's so right in terms of the times of things that we need and things that we hear about in the news. And, and could you just imagine if more organizations were looking deeper into that, how things could change in this country and other countries? Pretty wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was, it was, you know, it was... Um, you know the hair hair raising on the back of your neck kind of stuff and goosebumpy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm. Um, that was um, a lot of my experience as a human resources um, officer was around diversity and inclusion. So I'm like really excited about that whole topic. That's wonderful. Yeah. Oh wow. So let me share you some of the um, some of the projects that people left the summit with it was two and a half days actually we um the topics that they left the summit with and they had already planned the project groups that would go out throughout the organization and how they would get back together and how would they push these initiatives through the strategic agenda so it would elevate their whole mission was they wanted to one of the topics was 
They wanted to create a journey for people from tolerating to embracing diversity and inclusion. Because after the very first Discovery interview, one of the senior executives stood up in the room and said, I've just had an aha moment. And that mm. is that up until this time, I recognize I've been tolerating DNI in our organization. I haven't embraced it. And so everyone kind of like, you know, that was take your breath away moment. And so that became an opportunity area that people said, well, we've got to do more of this. We've got to create more of these opportunities so people can move their journey along from tolerating to embracing. Another one that came out of that was, again, from that very same situation where they decided they wanted to foster more of these aha moments. So how do we create instances where people can discover where DNI is working at its best. How can we have these aha moments and so create a kind of structure around that? And they thought that they would do that through share, you know, mobile devices, just internal texting to each other when they had an aha moment or doing it on their intranet site or, you know, coming up with different technologies and communication strategies so that they could share these across the organization so people can kind of say, well, yes, that's my experience as well. They really felt that they wanted to begin to collaborate without any boundaries because, as you know, when they were having these conversations and it went on and they were, you know, at the bar at night having fun and learning more and more about each other and sharing some of the, you know, significant things that were happening there in their organization, they realized that they had a lot of boundaries that they wanted to break down. So they wanted to be able to collaborate more effectively across boundaries. Mm -hmm. And again, they were looking at what do we have to do? We have to change the way we measure things, change the incentive, look at organizational mobility, have a database that's different, pay it forward. Um, so, you know, they were looking at the ways that they could implement these initiatives because that was part of the work that they were doing. This was just the beginning, but they had already before, by the time they left, they had already decided how they were going to get together and continue these kinds of initiatives. Another lovely one is I want to belong and I want the freedom to be myself. Wow. Because they found that some of the best metaphors of when people felt that they were truly included was when they had that sense of belonging. And sometimes it came from outside the organization, you know, sporting groups they belong to or faith groups they belong to or, you know, different kinds of groups where they felt that they belonged and they wanted to create that in the workplace as well. So they wanted to be able to feel that they belonged and they could be themselves and be free to speak up and be themselves. And one of the amazing ones, I won't go through the whole list, but it was called Reframing Failure. Again, because they were an engineering organisation, they continually went through these post-mortems and these things that when, you know, things didn't go well, they had to go through this analysis of all the things that went wrong, right? Uh -huh. So they decided that we're going to reframe failure and we're going to say that Failing is okay so long as you learn from it and move on and you share your mistakes openly so that you are preventing fewer people from making those same mistakes. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. Your story is a perfect example, especially for uh, new facilitators or internal facilitators or, or even CEOs or people in organizations who self-diagnose that large international uh, or global 
um, organizations and those engineering organizations are really not ripe for appreciative inquiry, that it, it might not be a good fit. So what your story really highlights that, yes, it is a good fit. It's just um, implementing uh, and uh, carrying out the processes and the, the work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's why it is a high peak story for me, because it was, it, you know, for my client, it was high risk. I I had to really step outside my comfort zone of being far more structured than I am by preference, <laughs> you know, because I really, you know, do the facilitation where I'm, you know, in the moment with people. But to really think through every single step of the way in advance was a great, great learning for me. And I learned a lot about myself in that, which I valued as well. Um, so, you know, it was great. It can be done in a very traditional, complex environment. Wonderful. Well, I'm excited by that story. Thank you so much for sharing it. Oh, well, I'd like to move on to the to the next question, um, which is uh, uh, without being humble, what do you value most about yourself, your work and how it's organized? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think probably I've mentioned a little bit about um, I I valued the fact that I I grew in this job and I think I'm always growing. In fact, I'm a great advocate of the VIA instrument, you know, the values in action instrument, which, you know, gets us to really understand what our true strengths are. And one of my strengths is love of learning. So I think, and the, another strength is humility. So I, I really value the fact that appreciative inquiry allows me to really be at my best, to live in and and strengthen my own strengths and my own capabilities so love of learning I'm always finding this is such a a way of learning and it stretches me and so as I said with this particular client I I needed to step up I needed to ramp up my leadership in a different way my project management skills in a different way my living to the book and being a role model for it and the fact that I was able to do all that and I did it in a way that um, was so embracing of the client, so respectful of the client and it became a real partnership. So, you know, I just totally value that I had that opportunity to do all of that. And the work itself, the work is, there's a strong structure and a really robust and rigorous framework but it is so contextually um, um, gentle and generative so that you can apply this framework and it doesn't matter like in your situation it was a school or it's I'm working next week for example with a local community in Jersey City and it's in a quite a depressed area so I can I can manage and massage this framework in a way that's going to be very respectful and mindful of their particular context and what's important to them so it's it's just a wonderful way of being able to meet any organizational needs or any human needs because it is truly respectful and it puts life at the center. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a life-affirming way of being and it's really about the being as well as the doing. Mm-hmm. So I get, a, I get a chance to do all of that. 
That's wonderful. So I think what you're saying is that you, because you go from the um, this new learning experience with a, a, a client group that's so different, that your trust in your yourself, your trust in them, and, and your trust in appreciative inquiry was really high, and so that, you, that was able to kind of carry you through all this new learning and change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is. It's very much. It's. It's. So it's. You know. I always used to say, trust in the process. You know, <laughs> through exactly. many. But it's also trust in the people and trust in yourself. Right. Right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I'd like to move on to the to the next question as well. Are you okay with that? Yes. Yes, I am. Perfect. Um, what are the core factors that make this work function at its best? when it feels a perfect fit for who you are and you see how this work impacts your clients, what are some of those impacts? Um, yeah, well, I think the core factors that make this work function at its best is when the client is ready. Um, it's not practice or not a tool or not a method that I think you can impose on someone or an organization if they're not ready to embrace it. And as you said, Kathy, that you're finding that you are getting invited and, you, you know, you're interpreting, one of the interpretations is that, you know, this way of working in the world and this way of being in the world, appreciative inquiry, is gaining traction globally. And so more people are aware of it and more people are now saying, I'd like to I'd like some of that too, right? But mm -hmm. I'm finding that when the client is ready, it's, you know, the teacher appears, right? That's, that's, that's the, the saying. And so I find that when, when a client is, is really wanting to make a truly profound difference in their organization and in their culture and have a lasting impact on the people that they value, that's when it works best. And it's, a, it's this co-evolutionary approach that moves beyond just looking at all the problems that exist in an area, but, you know, what's the life force and what else is possible and how do we best inspire and mobilize people towards positive action? That, to me, is what makes this work. And what else makes this work is because we're focusing on the best of humanity and not the worst of humanity. And I think that's the narrative that we are co-creating here. So I think that appreciative inquiry allows us to discover a new narrative. And they're the impacts that we can have so that people see just through little conversations with each other, you know, and you know my TEDx talk, right, that I, I yes. talk about, you know, asking a cab driver What's the best thing that happened to you today starts off a whole new story and you have this whole new relationship that can really shift and that just ripples through the rest of your day. So that's how I think it just works for me. It's consciously being aware and not to say that I'm always perfect at all. I have my struggles and I get my grump, grumpy times and I'm, you can only ask Jürgen, my partner, you know, sometimes I get frustrated and I get despondent, but you have to keep coming back to, you know, when you're at your best, that's when it works. And so knowing, you know, what your strengths are, what your capacities are and the impact that you can have on people, that just keeps me going. 
Wonderful. I love that TED Talk. Thank you for bringing it up. I just absolutely love that. I share it often. It's uh, just AI at its basis, you know, and um, to have somebody you never know open up to you. Yeah. And it's the playfulness, right? You mentioned that too. Is the place. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and then when somebody says, you know, I really wanted to talk about something good. So this is perfect, you know, because people really do want to share the good things, but we forget how sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so key because, you know, so much works already. And yet we, you know, because of our, our negativity bias and the way our survival brain works, we, we focus very strongly on the things that we have to be fearful of for our self-protection but we can rewire our brains. And this is where I think the value of positivity is so important. And, you know, that's another core factor. And I think, you know, about the principles of appreciative inquiry, when you begin to truly understand how those principles work and how you integrate them into who you are and your being, um, it you, you just begin to manifest them day in and day out. So that's another part of how this, this I think, yeah. that the impact of this work and how it... it um, it lasts. It keeps you going. Well, I just I have a huge smile as you talk about the principles and how as we learn about them. And so that's something I always um, advise students. And once you really go beyond the D's and start to look at the principles and have those and incorporate those into your life your, and your work, it just uh, it's changes for you how, how mm. you look at appreciative inquiry. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you, Robin. Um, so I have one final question. And it's a really great question. I love this question. So what are three wishes for the future of this work for you as an AI practitioner? (laughs) Yeah, I love this question too because it takes you into like the dreaming of what's possible, right? Mm-hmm. What what else is possible, and what you'd like to see for? Well, I always I always think of the world. You know, I think you know, there's me and my world. There's all the relationships that I have, and that world, and then there's the you know, the, the world world. You know, the the whole the whole world that we are all part of, and that we can all influence more than we imagine possible. So, um, so for me, the three wishes are. I mean, one, a couple of wishes. Oh, I've got a lot of wishes, but <laughs> I can only have three, right? <laughs> Today. Okay, so let me go really meta. Let me go really big first, because I, I have this wish, and I just wish the media would shift to focusing more on the good in our world, and to see their responsibility to change the narrative of the world, so that we can discover the best of us. And you know what we what what we're doing well already, and that when we get to know that, we know that our dreams and our aspirations for the world are very similar, whoever we are and wherever we come from. And I think that that's what I wish that the media. We know every time I hear somebody on the news, you know, interview somebody, and it goes straight to the deficit side. I think, oh my God, you're missing an opportunity here. You know, you could ask about, you know what worked here or what are the strengths of this community or what instances did you see where somebody did something really great but no we don't do that enough so that's one of my really big wishes that I could get into the media or we as an AI community to get into the media and Mm, start shifting the questions we ask the media to start changing the narrative of the world Mm, that's wonderful I love that one yeah that's a big one right 
So uh-huh. um, I'd love I'd love to be able to do more of that work. And I suppose on keeping this really big, um, I wish the same for our political agenda. I would love to, you know, we have a big election coming up next year, 2016, and I would love to see a shift in focus about how people can start thinking about what is the best that this country has to offer and not look at all the things where people are doing the wrong thing, but, you know, really, because so much is going right. And I would just love to see the the politicians get more into it. And every time I see a political story or I see something that focuses on a community that's doing well or a politician who's doing something well or starts saying we really need to focus on the things that we are doing well collectively and cross all the divides, I get excited about that mm-hmm. and I'd like to see more of that. So I think those two kind of go hand in hand. The political agenda and the and the media agenda agenda have so much to offer us if we could just get them to focus on what 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 you know you know they, they say that media st- when the what is it when um you a story bleeds it leads right right i would love to change that and i'd love to get with a collective group who could change that both politically and in the media Oh, isn't wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh, those are great. Both of them, I, I really yeah, like. Yeah, so those. we should start thinking about how we might do that. Yes, yes. I actually was like, I'll join you on those. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Let's let's see what we can do. Maybe there are people out there listening who also would like to be part of this and can oh, think about oh. how we can start doing that. That would be so exciting. Okay, I'm on for this one. <laughs> great. I get one more wish. Yes, one more wish. Okay. So this is now probably more self-interest, but I wish that my own work grows in this area. Um, I think I'm already, you know, coming back without being humble. Um, I recognize that um, I am having an input back. For example, my book, you know, The Appreciative Inquiry for Collaborative Solutions, I get so much great feedback from that book, Kathy, from all over the world. People email me and tell me stories of how they're using any of the, the you know, there are 21 strength-based workshops. And that book was kind of one of the first books. It was first published in 2010. And I'm told, I mean, I, and I, I don't know if I, I think I must have done it consciously to bring bite-sized pieces of AI into all kinds of environments so, you know, you don't have to have the big kind of two, three, four, five-day summits to make a big change. You can just do it on one-on-one conversations. You can do it in a three-hour meeting. So I found that the work that I was doing on the small scale was having big impact. And so that's why I wrote the book. So a lot of the little workshops that I'd been designing for different communities and different organisations, I decided to put them in and, you know, I got a publisher who came to me and said, you know, we'd like, you'd like to publish this book. And I said, great. So that's, I'd like to continue that book to do well, because it is having an impact from the feedback that I get. And um, there are negotiations going on in China right now to translate it into Chinese. Mm, Wonderful. So that's pretty cool. So I'd like to see that body of work grow. And I'd love to think that the podcast is having an impact, that more people would be listening and learning more about positive strength-based approaches to change. 
And I'm currently writing some online trainings around, um, you know, strength-based positive change. So that's not quite out yet, but I wish for all of that work to just to find um, more people so that I know that, you know, we're, we're, we're doing what we want in the world by touching more people through these particular ways of engaging and, and working and being and developing relationships through this very life-affirming, co-creative way of working. Oh, wonderful. Well, for anyone who has not had the opportunity to um, purchase your book and to use any of the um, exercises in there, I really encourage them to do that. It's uh, so helpful. And even to the people who've been working in the field for a long time, sometimes they're like, well, what did Robin do here? <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it's, it's a great book. I encourage anyone to, to seek it out. Oh, thank you, Kathy. It's just a guideline, you know, people kind of look at it as a, well, here's, here's like a one way of doing it. And then they again, customize it for their own way of doing it for exactly. their own people. So that's, that's the, the, the principle, right? So that people can use it as a kind of a, a thought starter. And then, exactly. and then make it specific for themselves. Exactly. It's, it's a great, it's, it's like having your own little mini coach kind of like, oh, well, I could do this and then I could change it. So it's perfect. Thank you very much for doing that. <laughs> great. Um, thank, thank you very much for allowing me to interview you. I really appreciate it. Is there anything that you would like to add um, to this interview or um, something that you've thought of since uh, we, we started that you'd maybe like to contribute? Oh, thank you, Kathy. Off the top of my head, no, other than to say that it's lovely to be interviewed by you using this process that we know so well and enjoy. And because it gives you an opportunity just to go back into some times when you felt at your best and you, and you re recall the situations and you kind of run the movie in your head again and you can see the faces, you can hear the laughter and you can feel the energy. So it is really wonderful to be able to do this. And so, you know, to get an experience of when I'm doing it with, when I, when I witness it in the room of people doing it, it's just great to be able to have that opportunity myself. And I thank you for spending this time with me and, and for us modeling this process. And I hope that people are just getting something out of it as well. Thank you so much. This was just fun. I had a great time. Great. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. And um, I'm looking forward to our sharing this out there in our respective communities. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to say by way of conclusion? Not that I, right off the top of my head, no. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, I think reliving the stories of those really great moments, it, you really can go right back to it. And, um, you know, it's just, I wasn't sure how it would work in this format, but it's awesome. I love it. And um, I, I would do this again. Oh, this pretty great. Great. Well, I know we'll continue something. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I'll sign off now, Kathy. Thank you so much for Thank spending you. this time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I'm excited to extend a special offer to the listeners of the show. It's a fantastic bonus offer. You can download the case study of this project that I've been describing. The case study is co-authored by me and two members of the client organization. 
go to positivitystrategist.com slash PS40 where you can do that. Now the case study lays out in detail the entire appreciative inquiry process from the carefully designed preparation leading up to the summit, the actual design of the summit, the teamwork that makes it work so powerfully, all the project milestones, and you'll read some of the participant feedback on their experiences and find out about some of the outputs they co-created. People who've read this case study have been very complimentary about how clearly we've described the entire process and it filled in a number of gaps they had in their understanding of the AI Summit. So go download it at positivitystrategist.com PS40. And remember, if you've enjoyed this episode and you want to learn more about Appreciative Inquiry, go visit us at positivitystrategist.com and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a show. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember what you focus on grows so grow towards your best. <laughs>